8, um, and Councillor Howell, who is here from the Cabinet to, uh, to, to deal with items 10 and 11, has asked if I could bring those forward. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Councillor Redfern, but um, Councillor Howell got in first. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll run the agenda as planned, and then after 8, we'll go down to 10 and 11, and then if Councillor Balk is here, we'll come to go back to 8. Right. Declarations of interest. I'll declare my membership of Stop Stansted Expansion, which may come up later, or the subject of the airport may come up later. Are there any other declarations of interest? No. Thank you. Could we then take the minutes of the previous meeting, which are those that were held on the 31st of January? Can I accept these as a true record? I'd just like to add something, if I may, on uh, page 9, the first paragraph, there was a discussion between myself and uh, Councillor Rolf about lobbying central government over funding, um, and although Councillor Rolf suggested we didn't do that at the moment, what we did agree was that, uh, um, that it may be appropriate at some time in the future for scrutiny to make its comments not at this time, but I'd just like that recorded in the minutes because that's what transpired. Um, and we'll obviously, this committee or the next committee will address that if it so chooses to do. But that was part of the discussion. Councillor Barker? Chairman, um, I'm confused. Are you saying that Councillor Rolf said something at the last meeting that you wanted to be minuted? I asked Councillor Rolf if the scrutiny that scrutiny could make representations to central government over funding which was behind the need or the reducing funding and Councillor Rolf said that would be fine but not at the moment and so that's the way it was left. So I'd like it on record that that dialogue took place. Uh, in the absence of Councillor Rolf, I don't think we can amend the proposed minutes without his agreement. It's not Councillor Rolfe's, it's my conversation with Councillor Rolfe that we're recording. Uh, you're committing Councillor Rolfe to a course of action? No, I'm not committing him to a course of action, I'm committing him to, to agreeing with me that it might be appropriate in future for scrutiny to make comments. And you know, that's it, that's as far as it went. Thank you very much. Chair, so I, I, you, I, Chair, I'm sorry, you said that you're committing Councillor Rolfe. You actually used the phrase, I am committing Councillor Rolfe. I do not believe that the minutes should be amended unless somebody who is being quoted in that amendment has been able to check that amendment and give his consent for that amendment. I had a dialogue with Councillor Rolfe as part of that item and I asked him whether there will be some benefit in scrutiny at some stage in the future or at any time not defined to make representations and we left it that, that then was not the right time and that it might be something we could come back to later. That's as far as it went. There's no agreement or encouragement or anything. Um, if it's of any help, um, I do recall that um, exchange taking place, so I don't think it would be inaccurate to Chair. minute that. 
Thank you very much. So with, with that uh, addition, thank you. Councillor Davis. Uh, you, you did just add a moment ago to say that Councillor um, Rolf agreed with, agreed with you. Just not, not within the context of the minutes, but just afterwards you just said that. And, and, and I'm not sure that, that feels somewhat constructive. We can we don't we can re record it appropriately without uh, saying that he agreed to anything. I appreciate it's semantics, but if they're also would, important. If officers would please. Thank you. Can I just, right. check, can I just check that uh, the, 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 the committee manager is, is clear about what has been changed in the minutes? Thanks, Chair. Um, I would agree with Councillor Dean's statement that uh, Councillor Rolfe did um, agree, although semantics is, he said okay, is essentially what I have minuted. Um, I, can't, I can't see what the sensitivity is here. Thank you, officers. Officers have got a, a record of that. From henceforth, this will be recorded, <laughs> and it is being recorded tonight. Right, let's uh, sign those later. Responses, there's nothing under item three, nothing under item four, nothing under item five, cabinet forward plan item six. Have any members got any points they wish to raise um, about... Have I jumped one? No, no. About the Cabinet Forward Plan, which begins on page 15. Chairman, if I can, just to say to members that obviously the um, Forward Plan for uh, the forthcoming year is um, somewhat underdeveloped because uh, obviously we have elections uh, in between now and the start of this plan, so what this contains at the moment is solely the um, financial items that we know need to come forward every year, so that's why there is nothing else on the uh, plan apart from those sorts of items. Yeah, I, I recognise that, that it's, it's annual routine business without any proactive business, business to do anything. Understood. Right, with no questions on that, could we then move to item seven, the scrutiny work programme. Again, I think that at this stage, this is the end of the, not only the council year, but the, the, the term of this particular council. So it will largely be down to the new committee that will be formed in June to decide what its work programme is. But this is the work programme as it stands at the moment. I would suggest we don't start tinkering with it at this time. Agreed. Is that agreed? Thank you. Right, we'll now move to item 10, which is the outline of a memorandum of understanding between the Cabinet and scrutiny. This is really the culmination, well it's not the culmination, it's the um, formulation of the outcome of the work that we had done by the Centre for Public Scrutiny quite some months ago, um, which uh, was followed in, I think it was February or beginning of March, with a meeting between officers 
Councillor Howell and myself. So in the form of a memorandum of understanding and it is put to the committee for its agreement in the hope that also the uh, cabinet uh, through another delegated decision I think um, would, would also sign up to that such that we can leave that for the new council and the new committees or the new scrutiny committee and the new cabinet for that matter to attempt to put into practice and obviously if they see fit improve it, change it or whatever but at least we, we would in agreeing this be leaving some, a legacy for the new council to take forward. Um, so I, I would like to put this on the table and, and propose that the committee does approve the memorandum of understanding. I will introduce, ask Councillor Howell if he wishes to say something in a moment because he's the um, designated uh, cabinet member liaising with this committee and with, with scrutiny. But um, I, I think it speaks for itself. It, it sets out the relative responsibilities and purpose of scrutiny in holding the cabinet to account and in assisting the council in moving forward with its uh, policy formulation and delivery, I, I guess. So, Councillor, would you like to say something at this stage? Then I'll I was only going to say that, that I feel quite certain the scrutiny committee will leave more of a legacy than just this. Um, but it's something that I think it is important for us to try and put in place before the election. Uh, it's clear to, to, to the executive that there's merit in scrutiny performing its role effectively, improving the decision making of the council, or sorry, of cabinet. Uh, and if this assists and helps us to understand what the role of the critical friend is and to do it as effectively as possible, I hope this will meet with the agreement of this committee. I think it's a good starting point for the next scrutiny committee going forward. Um, it's certainly my intention, if you are willing to endorse this, that this is put in place uh, and agreed by, by the executive through a, a, a special order of one form or another, and so it's in place before the election. Can I ask for a, a seconder to the agreement to this MOU, Councillor Barker? Anybody else wish to say anything, or can I quickly get, go to the vote and move on? Councillor. Yes, um, I, I think it's a, it's, it looks very, um, it looks good, but um, as there is going to be uh, possibly a change um, of membership of this council, I would suggest that they should have the opportunity to comment on this and not to put, rush to put something in place, which they may not agree with. I, I have to say I disagree with that. I think it's the duty of this council to put something in place. Clearly there will be changes in membership of the new council and it will be down to them whether they wish to improve it, change it, scrap it, whatever. Uh, we, can't, we can't bind them, but I think uh, just to leave it floating I think would be a mistake. So, Councillor Barker. 
I would agree, Chair. Um, there is a lot of good in this, and I would be delighted if we managed to achieve that in the future. Uh, I think kicking it down the road um, is not a demonstration of the thinking power of scrutiny. Uh, there is an election coming up, and perhaps Councillor Light may be in a different position in the Chamber. And unfortunately, once whoever's in power will not be able just to kick things down the road. So I propose we go to the vote. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take that. All those in favour of accepting this MOU? Six. Those against? One against, and everybody else is in agreement. Thank you very much. Why did Council ask? Her? I don't know. Um, the next item is investment steering group. As uh, members will know, there's been quite a bit of discussion on and off for some time um, about changing the or, or introducing more um, rigorous, shall we say, structures in place for dealing with um, the investment program that the Council has uh, embarked on. It, it's not going to be possible to complete this one because uh, uh, I, I suggest that we've got here um, some base, basic proposals um, which, which need to be worked up in more detail with taking advice from outside and so on. We, we clearly can't do that tonight. There isn't going to be um, a cabinet meeting between now and the council to do that. It's certainly not something that um, should be bounced through in its uh, present state by another executive decision. Um, but but it, it, you know, it, it's something that I think we can work on. And I, I, you know, I think it's good that we've actually now got something on paper which can be forwarded to the new council to put meat on the bones. Um, that's the way it's pitched. Um, it talks about establishing it post-election. Um, I, I really don't think I want to start pulling it apart myself. Um, obviously, I've got comments, and were we having a whole-day seminar on it, then we could have a lot of discussion. But um, I will invite Councillor Howell to um, speak first, and then, and then I'll propose that we support this early work. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, councillors, I, I think this has come, been brought to a head because of the discussion that we had at full council in February. We have in place a governance structure for our investments in Chesterford Research Park, which includes non-executive directors um, and an arm's length relationship with council on the day-to-day -day management of the, of the park, and yet the organisation is, the, our investment is answerable to council for the decisions that are made. The investment decision envisages a further round of investments, 20 million potentially in Chesterford Research Park and another 80 million in other investment opportunities. What we don't have is a governance structure that allows us the degree of scrutiny, comfort and reassurance that is required if we are to make these investments successfully. So there is a suggestion that we create an investment steering group. And I think there was a great deal of agreement at Council that such a body was required. 
but I don't think that there's necessarily an enormous agreement at this stage as to the composition of that investment steering group. I'm also of the view that unlike certain things, you can put them in place before a new council. This perhaps is something that a new administration will want to give careful consideration to, and it will be coloured by the views of, of that new administration. But I think it is important that we as a council put in place the basics of the governance structure to allow us to make investments. And there are, while we won't agree at this stage, the composition of the investment steering group, it's clear that it has to have some independent membership and it has to have the benefit of external advice and support. Whether it wants to be solely made up of external advisers or not is a decision, I think, for another organisation at a later date. Um, so, the proposal is to in, in, incorporate within the governance structure an investment steering group. That investment steering group will agree in principle, um, the, sorry, it, it will review and consider investment opportunities. But ultimate decisions on, it, on any investment will be taken by full council. Within paragraph 9 of this report, there's a flowchart that tries to, um, to identify the role of the senior management team, the asset team, the investment steering group, full council and cabinet, and where they all fit together. Um, I, I recognise, as the chairman has said, that there's quite a lot of work still to be done to flesh this out. But I think it's a starting point that allows us to, to, to at least then hand it over to the new administration and they can colour in the picture when we know what that composition of that new council looks like. Councillor Count. Hello. My question is quite simple, really. I would uh, congratulate uh, all councillors and officers that put this together. I think it's very, very good. Excellent. I just think that there is, and I'm just following up real on Council Howell's points there, the new administration still got quite a little bit of work to do on the detail of, of this, when the investments are going to be, be made and who should make them. And we've talked about maybe there's going to be a lot of people outside with good expertise to be able to help us to do that. So I congratulate you. It's a good report, but there's still quite a little bit of work in to make it really first class. Thank you for those comments. Are there any other members got? Uh, Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Um, I support that, Councillor Count, that there's, we can see a lot of work has been done um, around this, and I welcome this. I certainly uh, voted, um, was in, have been in favour of an investment committee uh, or a group, whatever you want to call it, for, uh, since we started investing. Um, there is, however, a lot of work to do on this, and it's not just the composition of the investment steering group, um, but it's also around um, the governance, it's around um, the terms of reference, it's uh, the parameters of this, uh, because there is so much to establish for example, on, around the risk and who has the skills, uh, the, invest, the investment themselves need to be looked at very carefully. And that's just to mention a few things. So I would propose that we 
uh, a green principle that we will have an investment steering group, um, but that more, much more work needs to be done. And perhaps I can come to council uh, in April to be looked at and then to, to be taken forward um, for the next administration to decide on. I would be very reluctant to make any kind of, uh, to say this is it and it's set in stone because it is still a work in progress. Um, well, I think as I intimated earlier, Councillor Light, this is not meant as a anywhere near finished job. Um, and I will ask um, Adrian to comment in a minute, but um, I, th I don't think it's yet in a fit state even to put on the agenda of the um, council meeting that uh, Mr. Pugh said, or the agenda that's due to be put together quite soon. But Mr. Webb, would you like to just comment, please? Yeah, I, thank you, Chairman. I mean, this has been prepared because the leader of the council gave an undertaking to bring back at 9th of April council a proposal around a board, a group, whatever you want to call it. I, I would refer members to paragraph 23, which clearly acknowledges that there is a lot still to do, and the proposal that would go to Cabinet, and it does say here that it's possible that there would be an executive decision as there's no Cabinet meeting, but the proposal for Cabinet, so therefore the executive decision would be that the Cabinet agrees in principle the establishment of an investment steering group as a working group of Cabinet subject to full Council endorsement, which would happen on the 9th of April and that it requests officers prepare proposals for the composition and recruitment process for the investment steering group for consideration by the next administration. So that is what Cabinet would agree. At Council, on the 9th of April, you would then be asked to endorse the establishment of an investment steering group and leave it at that. Nobody is suggesting that we get down to how we do it or whatever. That is for the next administration, and that's clearly set out in those set of recommendations. And that, that the leader would be happy with um, because that fulfills his commitment to bring back to you on 9th of April a proposal around a group. Thank you. Can I just come back on? Yes, I, I agree with that. But just make sure that on the 9th of April that is all we do. Cause I know what well. councils like sometimes. <laughs> and we go, people will go on for hours and hours and hours. This is a good document, and it's, it's the best start that I've seen, and it needs to be left to the new administration after May. So I don't... I, my fear is that people will start to want to be discussing it on April the 12th, so I think somebody's got to be very tough there and say, no, this is not what it's for. We well, just... I mean, I mean, I mean what, whatever is on the agenda, we can't stop somebody putting an amendment down. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, so that, that's member's prerogative. But uh, I, if it's written in such a way to make it clear that uh, there's a lot more work to be done and that it's far better that that's done by the, the next council, then hopefully we can avoid getting into a detailed tangle when it's not our job to... We haven't got the information yet. Uh, and I'm sure there's lots of information that needs to be gathered from elsewhere, SIP for, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, do I have another? Um, I, I was just going to say, presumably, when this goes to um, full council, it would just be an item for noting rather than anything to make a decision on. No, it's no. got to be a decision. No, it, it, will, it is asking the council to, to endorse decision. the decision of the principle of a steering group 
it, it can be named whatever anybody wants in time, but the whole idea of it coming to scrutiny here tonight was hopefully to get cross-party support, and therefore on the 9th of April there will be support for this because you'll go back to your groups and relay that scrutiny had a good discussion about it and are satisfied with the way forward at the moment. That was Councillor Redfern yes. speaking. Um, Did you want to add well, something, Councillor Redfern? I would like to add something, um, Mr Chairman, if I may, but I'll do it when you've all finished talking about this. It's just I wanted to mention something on the investments, but not necessarily to do with this. I just want to ask you a question, but I'll do it at the end if that's okay. Councillor Lai, did you want to come back? Yes, I do. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, if we're just looking at the principle of the establishment, then that's absolutely fine because there is so much more that needs to be added and I have got reams of papers that might be useful. Um, just looking specifically at uh, 23 and 24, so 23.2... So looking at the, uh, we're requesting the officers to prepare proposals for the composition recruitment process for consideration by the next administration. Um, that actually seems to be a, a sort of a bit setting too much of a framework here, I think, on that. Um, because it's not just that that needs doing. That's only a very small part of it. And I would agree that we need external experts. So I would propose that we just agree in principle the establishment of an investment steering group without going into more details because, uh, as I said, there is so much that still needs to be done. Well, I would suggest that uh, if this council doesn't give any pointers to the next one, then they will, won't know where to start. And uh, as, as there's, to me, a, a sensible proposal of a piece of work that needs to be done, then whilst we're all running around knock the streets knocking on doors, or those who are doing that, uh, officers can be working away in, in the background such that when the new administration takes charge, they've at least got something uh, to get their teeth into. So the, the, sorry, the point I'm making is that it is not just the composition recruitment process that needs to be looked at and worked on. No, 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 that's right. But, you know, we, 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 could, we could sit here and uh, produce a, a long list of activities, but um, I, th I think our officers have got enough knowledge about this to be getting on with those and the other things. By all means, members can make suggestions to officers informally, but uh, I, th I don't think we want to try reshaping this tonight, Councillor Light. I would suggest, otherwise we'll never finish. So, well, first of all, I'd like to, I'd like to pr propose, um, well, the recommendation is that uh, the members put forward off comments, and we've made comments, and they will be recorded in the minutes, but that we support the principle of es establishing a, let's get the term right, what is it again? It's an investment steering group, or whatever it finally ends up being called. I'll propose that. Is there a seconder? Is there any amendment to that? Pardon? So, like, could you speak to the microphone? I Sorry, I didn't catch what you just said. Could you just repeat the proposal? I, I'm proposing that the scrutiny committee supports the establishment of a, an investment steering group um, and that it uh, encourages the new administration well, the, the, the Cabinet now and the new administration to take it further and conclude the work after the local elections in May. 
and, and that we record our comments in the minutes that can be inform those who do the next stage of the work. I'm, I'm putting that forward. I think Councillor Barker has seconded it. Oh, sorry, Councillor No, it wasn't. Um, is that agreed? I think everybody's either nodding or putting up their hands. So thank you very much. Is this relevant to this? Well, it's, it's, about the, it's about investment, and I couldn't see anywhere else I could bring this up to you. Um, is, is this a matter of, is this, re, is this is, relevant? I think it's relevant. If I could just, oh, well. if, if you just bear with me for just Councillor Redfern has something you'd like yeah. to say. Um, there's, I couldn't see anywhere else I could bring this up. But it, attached to the minutes is a letter from a resident of mine, uh, Richard Pavitt, um, or he came and spoke at the last scrutiny meeting and um, he is saying that he wrote to you in October and um, he came to the meeting in uh, January to, or whenever the last meeting was to say that he hadn't had a response to the letter that he wrote to you. Um, I'm really sorry but he's now put something in the local paper this week again and it's, I feel it's causing embarrassment to the council that we're not getting an answer that we're not getting an answer to this and he did ask he's written to you or he's written to you and then come again to this scrutiny to ask you for some answers whether I fit will you feel it's for you to answer or not I'm just disappointed that I've now had emails from him as well um, because he hasn't had answers to these questions and I just wonder if you could give me if, if someone could tell me that these he will get well I will answer him but I would prefer it if it came from the person that it was addressed to sorry Councillor Dean well th thank you yes um, you're correct that these questions were put um, I sought comments on them from officers and I wrote to him it must be a month ago with answers and I'm more than happy to provide those answers to you and to the rest of the committee but he did get some answers in writing by email. Well I'm very pleased to hear that. If I could have a copy so that I can yep. answer it yes, myself. Yes I'll ask the officers um, to remind me about that. But, perfect. Uh, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Right that then takes us back to item 8 and Councillor Susan Barker has now arrived from Dunmow Town Council. Uh, Thank you, to, Chairman. To and uh, my, my apologies, I hadn't realised this report was coming back to this committee. Um, six months flies by, doesn't it? Um, Chairman, this report is just a follow-up on where we were um, with our efforts, if you like, to improve recycling, reduce contamination, improve food waste collections, and uh, tidy up the district. I think um, most of you would agree that since Mr. Brown has arrived here, things have improved vastly. I do see lovely areas which previously been littered and are now litter-picked, and I think we are beginning to, to win the battle a bit, so that's great. Um, but we do need to win the battle with our recycling as well. Um, we're currently recycling at about a rate of 50%, but we have an 8% contamination rate, and so our new recycling officer is actually going out with the crews. She is visiting, she is sticking her head in bins and she is seeing whether or not the recycler is fit for collection. Because as you will be aware, if there is one badly contaminated bin in a whole lorry load, the lorry load will be rejected. 
And that is the problem that we face. So it's a, it's a two-pronged approach. It's actually going out there, sticking... You've got some pictures of the new yellow stickers, sticking stickers on bins saying, very sorry, wrong stuff in here. You know, please take it out before we collect it because we can't collect it as it is. So that's a very hands-on, very labour-intensive approach. But the crews are our best eyes and ears out there. They know where the recycling is not good. They know where people are putting inappropriate things in their bins. So they are helping with that work. And sadly, it's, it's some of our newer communities. I wouldn't call Woodlands Park new anymore. Um, it's been there a long time and it's still growing. But the Woodlands Park, the Forest Hall Park, um, Flitch Green, Priors Green, it's those new communities where perhaps places have got smaller gardens and traditional houses and perhaps people just haven't actually taken on board some of the literature. So we're going out particularly to those areas and particularly to the schools in those areas. You'll see in the paper the things we're doing in schools, whether it's wormeries, whether it's all sorts of different things to encourage home composting and to get the message from the children home to the parents because if we can get the children to take the message home to their parents then hopefully we will start to build a, a better, less contaminated recyclet um, because we need it clean. If it's clean we get slightly better prices for it and the recyclet market is very variable, goes up and down um, but what we don't want is that stuff having to go to the MBT plant be front-end recycled which is a, is a lesser product and sort of doesn't attract as much money. So happy to answer any questions on, on the detail of the papers you've got in front of you, but it's, it's a start, it's a very difficult campaign. We need to bring it, you know, do your litter picks in your village. You know, um, I know in High Easter particularly, where they've taken over their own grass cutting, they now cut the verges three times a year. There is very little, because the verges look tidy, everything else looks tidy. And people only throw stuff out into long grass where you can't be seen. They're less reluctant to throw it out when the verge actually looks nice and clean and tidy. But you know, it's, it's a continuous process, Chairman, and you know as well as I do, we built 966 more houses in Uttlesford last year. That's another probably 15,000 adults, and they all need educating in how we recycle here. There are moves afoot in, in the world of recycling about um, other things, about um, the government's currently con consulting on a standardised approach to recycling so that wherever you come from you know exactly how it works. They're also consulting on scary things like um, compulsory green waste collection. Um, we have a paid-for system, as you know. They're consulting on possibly making that compulsory. That would have enormous financial implications in this council. So a lot goes on in the world of waste. Um, I know at the County Council we've just said you know, no single-use plastics by our staff in, our, in, our, in County Hall. Great step forwards, and, you know, we haven't used plastics here for a long time. can't ever remember where, and I hope we don't in any of the, the staff kitchens. But it, it's lots of little steps, Chairman, that make, make a difference. So happy to answer any questions. Yeah, thanks for that, Councillor Barker. It's encouraging that this uh, programme has got underway in the last six months since we, we had a report. My, I suspect that... Um, one of the reasons why the newer areas um, suffer more from contamination is because there's a greater turnover of people. Um, I've no hard evidence for that. It's just, a, it's just a perception that the newer areas, that there is ch more churn than in the more established areas. And, of course, with new people coming in, um, they, they don't know the system and we don't get to them, to residents, quickly enough to inform them what the system is and uh, so they do it properly. And the other, the other thing that I've had two instances of, two complaints about, um, in the last six weeks are of flats 
um, I, a, a, a set of multi-occupancy buildings or flats close to me. I had um, I, I happened to be knocking on doors and uh, got a, an earful because their bin had not been collected and and that was because of contamination. And, and again, this is because you could, all you need is one. Um, one flat that's uh, rented out and people come and go every month or two and so they just do whatever they think right and, and they've got it wrong and then it messes it up for everybody else because there they're talking about communal bins with the large ones and, um, yeah, and well, so going that's on very, very inconvenient. We, for we do have a couple of lovely new posters just oh, right. uh, because the recycling officer um, Simon Howells left the room hasn't he? Because he collared me in Dunmo because his mother's in a flat there and says you can't tell which bin to put anything in. So we are now applying stickers to those communal bins to say this is recycling, this is not recycling, this forever. So you've got the one on what you can put in the recycling and what you should put in the black bin to try to get you know, those communities on board too. It's not easy because you're retrofitting, aren't you? In a perfect world it would be there on day one so hopefully with you know, more housing going up we'll, we'll get there on day one. But I think you know, hopefully this will help increase that recycling because certainly um, I think the communal bins are, are they're not good as they are so moving on with this and new bins well apart from the, the posters on the wall the new bins will have stickers on them as well or the existing bins will have stickers applied so and, and as I understand it it's costing the council and therefore um, residents money if we do contaminate too much the worse the worse the um, the, the green collection is contaminated then, then that affects the uh, recycling credits as I understand it um, and it also means that when we have to uh, rebid for the contract that if we've got a bad reputation or the, the worse your reputation is then the less less money we get back in, in recycling credits and uh, which help to pay for the actual service and I, so I think that's you know I think that's an important issue and, and uh, I, there was a dialogue on Facebook in Stansted about um, three weeks ago where um, people were somebody was complaining that they'd seen a woman with a, um, a yellow vest wandering around looking in bins um, and thought this was a total waste of time and that that person should be doing something much more productive in that person's opinion um, and, and hence I've been doing a bit of research on the fact that this is costing money and, and that there's a purpose behind it other than and that it's not snooping uh, but, but, but part of an education process and I, and I think that it's important that we um, I think if we, can, if we can put some sort of monetary value on things, it, it might make people think that it's actually costing their council tax um, if they don't do it properly. It certainly Councilor does cost, cost the council tax fair. Um, and so does litter. And so does litter. Litter, you know, I would rather we didn't have to have men out. I'd like to be able to street the, sweep the streets a bit more and keep other bits tidy. But the fact that we have to pick up litter off urges because people are inconsiderate is, is terrible. Councillor Oliver, were you wishing to come in? You finished, I have, yes. No, it's just really the point which I think Councillor Barker is aware of, that uh, the trouble is with the new estates, people coming in there, the new people, they've come from other districts who have totally different attitudes. Even you go down to Bishop Stortford where my daughter lives, her bins are totally different from ours. 
And I think this is half the problem. And this one, sooner or later, the, the government must really ensure we all do the same thing. Then people, when they move or come, come from different families and buy, they will under, know. But uh, as you say, we have to give them an education before. I, th I think, Chairman, one of the problems is if you look in detail at the consultation, that what the government is suggesting is not anything like the system we use now. It's like segregation waste back out into about five or six different waste streams. Now, you know, Chomsford at the moment has seven different collections. They, you know, they have paper, they have cardboard, they have cows, they have glass, they have something, something. I mean, the expense of that, yes, they get a better price for their, their recyclers, but the expense of that and two of my sons lives in Chomsford. One lives in an upstairs flat. You know, where are you supposed to put seven different recycling things? Um, you know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a balance. It's going to be a balance. It's going to be a compromise. But uh, in the offices I was with the other day, they were not very keen on the idea of unpickling mixed um, dry recyclers because that is a lot of systems. There's a lot of... I mean, Braintree is very close to ours, except they don't collect glass. Apart from that, it's, it's, it's relatively the same system. But I drive down to Chomsford most mornings, and there's a kitchen waste caddy, and then there's plastic bags, you know, single-use plastic bags full of recyclers, and then there's a standalone thing for glass. And I follow the Chomsford lorries, and quite often, if they haven't shut the curtains right, I can see the aluminium cans flowing out the side of the vehicles. So it, it is tricky, you know, and, um, but we may be dictated to. So watch this space. Mm, indeed. Councillor Light. Thank you. Um, I welcome the um, approach and the, what's, what's happening. And I think that's, that's excellent. So really, really welcome that, uh, Councillor Barker. Thank you. And in Saffron Warden, we've started reducing the single-use plastics as well. And we've installed water fountains. So that'll reduce uh, water bottles. Um, just a couple of, of points. Um, one that you may... One you may like to look at um, is there's a system in Italy uh, whereby uh, people have to take their rubbish, um, otherwise they're charged. So they're charged more council tax. So people suddenly get very religious about recycling um, and do their absolute best, and it is, it is really differentiated. So that's one idea. Um, have, I wanted to ask a question, though, about the lorries that are used. Uh, so... I know we've bought some new ones, but can any of these run on alternative fuels apart from diesel? As far as where the lorries have been acquired are, are diesel lorries. That is the standard for, for the industry. Mm. Um, I, th I think the days before we get to an electric or a, um, other sort of recycled oil use are, are probably still a long way in the distance. Um, you know, improvements are made. They're sure they will have better fuel economy and be less noisy, but they are big, dirty machines. Um, as you were, they, they have you know, dual purpose. One week they collect the recyclers and the kitchen waste, and then the following week it's the, it's the um, bags and kitchen waste, so they have to be cleaned out for that. But they are, I'm afraid, fairly big, dirty beasts. But I think your idea of, I mean, when um, the Lib Dems first introduced uh, wheelie bins in Uttlesford, there was this sort of outcry of they've got chips in them, you're going to charge us for emptying them um, and they do have chips in them, they are chipped and there is a possibility in the future the government may say, you know, you can get a, whatever on your council tax you know, for all your residual waste that, you, that we have to collect 
but we do have a duty to collect waste. And, you know, we, we work under the rules at, at this moment in time. So um, that's what we do. Um, you know, I, th I think the waste system collections has been operating, you know, it's doing really well. We've got very few miscollections. Sorry about the ones in Stansted, but if, if the bins were contaminated and the, that's been imparted to the residents, then, you know, and big yellow stickers will certainly do that. And I can imagine if you're in the street, we happen to be in the middle of nowhere, but if you're in the street and yours is the one bin left out with a yellow stick around it, um, it might make people sit up and uh, think again, because I don't know, but I'd be embarrassed. <laughs> Especially if it's a councillor. I've got a nod there. <laughs> Can I just come back on, on that? Yes. Um, yeah, thanks for that response. Uh, can I ask you, though, to just look into the possibility of perhaps converting the vehicles to LPG, or alternative fuels because um, look at the cost of that because uh, I, I think it is important to be a good contribution to the reduction in air pollution. Well, there's no harm in looking, Chairman. No, thanks for that. The, the problems I had with flats were in both Stansted as it's, and Elsinore, as it so happens. Um, one comment, I mean, Council Oliver mentioned about people coming from other districts where they've got other systems. Just to say, as a, th a throwaway at the end, two days ago I was talking to somebody at Elms Farm, which is a new development in Church Road in Stansted, near the railway, who said that he'd just come from Broxbourne, um, where they have much cleaner streets. So I think that that's um, something that we still need to pay more attention to, and I have checked I could still plant my rhubarb at the top of um, Chapel Hill. <laughs> Ch Chapel Hill is wonderful, Chairman. If you could tell me how I get all the cars off Chapel Hill I know, so I, I know. could get the men and the operatives and the street machinery in yeah. there to clean yeah. it, then we would gladly do it, but I, it is a yeah. very difficult thing on a it main is, route it like is, that. It is, I know. Um, we're working on it. Can we uh, thank Councillor Barker and Ben Brown and others for putting this work together, this report together, and uh, we're pleased that the progress is being made. Please do. Thank you. <laughs> Councillor Redfern, it is your turn. We um, this is this is a report on future affordable housing, potential for future housing, affordable housing schemes in the district that the, there was a piece of work that was kicked off by this committee uh, and taken forward. The report that you have in front of you went to the housing board last Thursday and was overwhelmingly supported there, but it's now coming to us as essentially feedback on that piece of work, but the councillor Redfern will tell us all about it, please. I'll, I'll be um, brief, Chairman, as I've got bumped to the bottom of the agenda here. Um, so this is a, re a report that, um, as Councillor Dean has said, has, was kicked off by scrutiny committee. Um, Councillor Dean and I have been working with officers um, to come up with a brief for us to um, go to... Uh, what we need is we need to go out to some consultants to put together a, a proper uh, strategy for us, to particularly to go forward for the new um, garden communities. So um, just 
highlighting a few points in the in the appendix. Um, you'll see it um, focuses on the three garden communities and what and what they're doing, um, and it is trying to be something that is for the long term. It, this is not a view of what we're going to do tomorrow. This is a view for what we're going to do over a, a very long period of time. Um, the council's already. Uh, in discussion with developers on, for the new garden communities, looking at the DPD planning. And as you all know, um, it's very keen that they are done on garden uh, city principles. And it's really important that we look at this not just as housing, but it's housing, transport, uh, economics, the environment, and the strategy to cover all of this. And it's an opportunity to, for, for us to do this in a very joined up way. Um, I believe this is an ambitious uh, piece of work um, and it is hoped that what we end up with is um, a decent homes for everyone and particularly decent homes for those um, that, are, that are in work within this uh, district. Um, obviously there are challenges with, with this and um, we need some external help so this is what we've, we've pulled together to uh, to do this. Um, there are a couple of additions. I don't know if they've been sent to uh, you members. They've, they've not been sent to the rest of the committee. Right, they were sent okay. to me this afternoon. Okay. Um, so when we get to section 10 on page 4 of the uh, appendix, we ha now have uh, section 11 and 12, and these have um, come through Housing Board last week. Um, Councillor Dean was at Housing Board. Unfortunately, I was trapped trying to get back from the airport, so I wasn't there, but um, I've had a full report back. And these are two additional items that we want to add into this. So number 11, to provide advice about the potential to encourage downsizing of smaller existing households to smaller dwellings thereby increasing the availability of family housing provision in the district. We already um, do this with our, uh, with our own council housing. We have a um, policy where we try and encourage people in larger properties when they don't need to be in a family home. We have a way of encouraging them to perhaps transfer to um, a, a, a smaller property, be it a bungalow or a sheltered accommodation or whatever, we have a way of doing that. But the, the plan for this is, is to do something in the private sector as well um, because that does obviously, it, it does help. I mean, I, I have the same problem um, when I'm out and about in the villages that I represent where you've got um, older people who've been in their family home for a very long time and their um, problem is they don't actually, they don't necessarily want to stay in the larger house, but they want to be in the community that they've always lived in. They don't want to be moved out to somewhere else. So this is a way of us looking at how we can deliver um, that opportunity. And I think that gives a movement throughout the whole um, process, really, because it frees up family homes and gives a, gives a move, move on for everyone. Number 12 that we want to add to this, um, guidance to take account of the need for revisions to the housing strategy to benefit the whole district, not only those in the proposed garden communities. So th this piece of work that was originally very much focused on the, on the um, garden communities, but we are 
it's been brought through Housing Board and they would like us to, to look at some of the benefits to, to benefit the whole district, not just those in those particular areas. And I think that is important because we should be looking at the district as a whole. So basically, I'm asking um, for comments on the fact that we want to take this to um, get a, outside consultants to do as a proper brief. And um, as there's no future or there's no cabinet meeting before um, June, we want to actually, uh, we'll probably do this um, on uh, leaders' um, powers to actually um, go out on for this work to be done sooner rather than later because obviously just because we're in elections, the rest of the world doesn't grind to a halt. So that's basically it, I think, Chairman. Thank you very much, Councillor Redfern. Committee, have you got any um, questions that you'd like to ask Councillor Barker? I think this is a very good piece of work because basically what it is is just finding a tender document for basically the philosophy of housing in the district and if we're talking about the long term, this is going to have to be quite detailed. And I've got two questions, either from Mr. Webb. Um, have we got enough money? Because if we're going to have the definitive gold standard, or not the very best, but as near to the, the best we can afford, is that going to come out of the general fund or the housing revenue account? Which one of us are you asking? I'll, I'll, give, I'll give it a stab, but I would say that this comes out of the um, planning policy um, department, doesn't it? Because this is, this is a consultation for the local plan, is that not correct? So it's planning money from the local plan? Yeah. Right. Is there going to be enough? Bearing in mind everybody's complaining about how much is being spent. Um, You'll be aware that we've put a significant bid in to government for additional funding over the next five years of approximately £1.1 million per annum. Um, we're still awaiting a decision on that by the end of the year, but we have in preparation anyway put in place um, a sizable amount of money for the contingency that we don't get that funding. So there will be enough money available to do this sort of study. Are there any other questions? Yeah. Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Um, I think it's very useful, uh, it will be a very useful piece of work, but I would agree that it needs to be looking across the district. So with that proviso, then I would uh, agree that it should be conducted. It's, it's not a proviso. Well, well, I suppose it is. It's, a, it's that addition to the wording yeah. that you've got in front of you, but it's the outcome of the Housing Board, so yes. Yes, as, yeah. as, as everything that I tend to um, present anywhere, it's always come through um, uh, Tenants Forum and Housing Board, so um, yeah. that they've, we've, we've asked these extra things, and I think it's very important that it does consider the whole district. It's really, I don't want to be in a situation where what we've done is created... Um, a community that has them and us, those in the yeah. those in the nice ones over there, and those that haven't had the um, thing done. There was one other thing, actually, I would really like to point out, which I know I, I'm sure you will find me really boring when it comes to talking about um, 
affordable housing as it is a bit become a bit of a passion but um, sorry I'm struggling to um, find where it is but there is a section in here where we're talking about looking at um, housing that is oh, here we go it's on page three of the appendix and it's it's the item number two um, provide um, analysis of how innovative and community-led housing models can be delivered deliver housing costs of no more than 35% of net income um, and it goes on and I just want to say that that is um, something that we want to look at a way of those people that are in work and want to have a want to have a home of their own um, where we can actually do it that it is no more than 35% of their net income and I have asked, you know, we obviously think about the, the fact that it might be 35% of their net income when they first get there, but actually it might get that it might they've progressed through their careers and it may become lower. And I, I think the, the honest answer to that is, is then obviously you start moving on to the next thing. But this is a, it's always, always coming up. How do we do something for those? How do we deliver market affordable housing? And I think this is a really we don't know the answer yet but this is a really good step towards delivering that and I, I meant to highlight it so I'm sorry that I didn't but that is in here yeah no, I, I would certainly I, that's the bit that I had highlighted uh, because I think it's most important it, it fits in a bit with the scheme that we saw at Eddington was it uh, Northwest Cambridge uh, Northwest Cambridge should I say which is university um, mostly university housing whereby essentially they're tied houses to employment and to levels of employment and so if you don't work there anymore you do move on and you know you, you therefore knew that it, it, it cycles the housing round and it doesn't mean that people are holding on to houses that they're no longer um, entitled to um, and therefore denying other people new people who need housing but can't get it so it's about I, th I think this will be a, ch a challenge and you know it would be very interesting to see what 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 recommendations come out as to how we can deliver it but it's clearly it would be a change to the way housing is currently um, allocated well I, I think we're in a position where we can do something that we, we should be ambitious and it should be exciting and it should be a way of doing something for 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 everybody really and I, and and I hope that this, you all think that this um, piece of work is actually, that is actually what this is saying. We need, that's what we need to do, look at something completely different. So, so can I ask the committee, not the board as printed on the papers, to endorse this piece of work and to welcome it? Is everybody in agreement with that? And, and that therefore the work, con the work is put in place, is commissioned. Thank you. We are now on item 12, which is an update on uh, the piece of work that began at a, a previous meeting to look at major application, planning applications. Um, it, it's really for information at this stage, because I think this is something that will 
uh, well, it, the, the, the new committee will have the option of proceeding with this. Um, it, we, there was a, a group which met the four people who were designated from this committee to progress the work met in February. Um, it was taken on board that um, particularly investigating the way that the Stansted Airport application was implemented, was um, progressed, um, ought not to be investigated while the current application is live. Now, I don't know whether everybody's caught up on the fact, but there was a decision by the Secretary of State yesterday, or the, it came in yesterday, that it's not going to be called in by the Secretary of State. I understand, <coughs> I understand that the um, decision notice on the application could well be issued by the end of March. That's the best inf inf informal information that I've got from officers on that one. There is then a period of six weeks during which it is open for anybody to institute or attempt to institute a judicial review on that. That would take it through to a few days after the, or about a week after the local election. So when those who are, who are coming back come back, we might know what's, what's going on and whether the, um, that, that decision is confirmed. Um, and as you can see from this report, officers have been doing some background work to find out who might conduct the uh, study. Um, I think in the report it says that officers were expecting possibility of further information since the report was um, written, so I'll ask Mr. Orty if there's anything to add. Yes, thank you. I had, a, com I had a conversation with um, one of the managers from the Planning Advisory Service um, yesterday morning. Um, uh, we're in the process of exchanging information, so I'm sending him um, a breakdown of exactly what has happened from the meeting at which this was first suggested to this point, so all the uh, agenda items and minutes and so on and so forth. And in return, he is sending me a suggested scope of review document, um, which will set out how he um, sees the planning advisory service um, potentially being able to help um, well, potentially being able to conduct this review. Um, he, um, I don't have uh, information on costs at the moment, I'm afraid. I know it's an issue that uh, some people have brought up previously, but what I can say is that this uh, scope of review work um, is not being charged for. So, as it stands, we have incurred no cost, apart from the um, Centre for Public Scrutiny study. But... Um, that was a, a fairly modest cost. So uh, once we've got that information back, we'll be able to see what it looks like that they will be able to do and see how that fits in with um, what the uh, committee has already said about this. Councillor Lemon. Thank you. Yes, uh, yeah, I welcome the Minister of State's decision. I don't agree with it. But it's probably good news for us because we will, should be able to proceed with our... Um, looking into major planning applications, uh, including uh, the Stansted Airport one. 
Um, I, I hope that we will now proceed with this. Obviously, we've got to wait until after the, after the election we're in Perda, but um, I think as soon as that happens, we need to get ahead with this. But I'm concerned there is a, there is a cost to all this, and uh, I wonder whether um, our finance officer could uh, assure me that uh, the money will be made available to go forward with any... Um, investigations or looking at this, uh, will we have the money to deal with it? I, I think, Councillor, I, I said the same at the January meeting, that um, if this committee wants to look at that, which clearly you do, then it's my responsibility to try and allocate the money for you to do so. Um, we, as Mr Orty said, we, we're working to get the scope together so that we can understand what sort of numbers we're talking. But as I say, if it's your will to do it, then we find a way to do it. Thank you. Can we note the report and uh, move on to... Oh, no, Councillor Barker. Uh, sorry. Oh, Councillor Light. Were you first or Councillor Barker? I didn't. I'd just like to bring to the attention of the other members of the committee that we were in here a few weeks ago when Mr Ian Parry from the Centre of Public Scrutiny chaired a very productive and very educational meeting, which I think was extremely useful. And I would like this committee to uh, thank him for his uh, efforts and uh, his time, because he got up very early somewhere in the wild and woolly north to get to us for 10 o'clock. And I wondered if the chair could send the thanks of the committee to Mr Parry for his time. Yeah, I'll certainly do that. Thank you. Councillor Light. Thank you. I'd just like to ask the uh, legal officer now if um, the decision having been made by the Secretary of State, we can actually proceed, and uh, to what extent does PERDA actually prevent uh, this going ahead? Well, Mr Pugh. The uh, advice is that uh, we should not look at the standard application until it has uh, cleared the various stages it needs to go through. Uh, in, uh, the Secretary of State has said he's not calling the application in. We need to agree the Section 106 planning agreement. Can't issue the decision notice until that has been uh, signed and completed and uh, hoping that will happen quite soon. Um, we'll then issue the decision notice. There's then a six-week challenge period um, in, in which it's possible for um, third parties to challenge the decision we've made. It is possible that there will be a challenge to the Secretary of State's decision not to call the application in. It's, uh, I have no reason to believe there would be any merit in that, but it's a, a possibility. Um, so I think, really, we just have to see how the, the dust settles over that period. But it ties in quite well because um, we'll be able to come back to scrutiny in the new um, council session um, with uh, the uh, proposed brief from PAS. And so by the time we get to look at how PAS think we ought to go about this task, we, we, we with well, we, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, it depends. If a challenge comes in, that's going to extend the period of doubt around Stansted. Um, if, you know, um, so we'll have to sort of see how it goes, really, I think. But hopefully we'll be able to come back uh, in the new session with a brief from PAS and some certainty over the Stansted application. Yes, thanks for that. As I said at the beginning, I, in effect, the, by the time this committee meets, which I think is in early June, uh, the matter may be resolved but let's wait and see right can we move on to the final 
item, which is the annual report, which is before you, which has been kindly drafted for me with, by Mr. Orty. Thank you for that. Uh, has anybody got any comments that you think in terms of whether it should have other things or fewer things in it? I'm not sure whether Councillor Barker is agreeing or wanting to speak. <laughs> Councillor Barker. I think that the thing is that we do include the report from the Centre of Public Scrutiny, which I think shows to everybody that we are honest and are actually capable of being honest about our uh, shortcomings. And I think it also gives us a foundation to use the report we got from Mr. Parry and also probably to consider, because what we haven't done for some time, is have any training from the Centre of Public Scrutiny. Yeah, on, on the subject of training, there's a session organised for the new committee on the 4th of June. Um, it's not actually with the Centre for Public Scrutiny, it's with another provider who we've used previously, but that, that is in hand for the new committee. So is the report agreed? And I can take this to Council in April. Thank you very much. Well, that really brings us to the end of the agenda, but I would therefore like to thank all members, both those who have been on the committee for four years and those who have been on uh, the committee for slightly less than four years, thank them for all their uh, contributions, um, thought-provoking things, bits of work that they've gone away and done or, or done here. I think uh, it's set out in the report what's been going on and I'd also therefore very much like to thank our officers some of whom are no longer attending meetings because we've had some changes of faces but uh, to those present officers and those who were here from the begin from the middle of 2015 on your behalf I'd like to thank them and I'm sure you would agree is anything and I will close the meeting. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers.